Welcome everyone to the Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. You do parties now? Because my cousin's quinceanera is next week. The Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 205, all sold out, is sponsored by the Family First Clinic, now looking for a head doctor. Pete, we continue to chug through these episodes. I cannot believe we're already at episode five already. I love the pace that we're on. It's also really weird that over on the Cloak and Dagger podcast, we also did episode the fifth episode of the season just just yesterday so or two days ago depending on when you listen to this in the in the past in the future but uh we are rocking we are rolling take us to that recap the episode gives us no teaser act and is written by ian stokes directed by casey lemons luke's been depositioned by poor old cockroach with luke's legal representative as foggy nelson Cockroach quotes Charles Darwin, survival of the fit or something. Anyway, he tells everyone about mean old Luke Cage who interrupted Cockroach, fighting hard and loving hard. He's the victim here at the hands of Luke Cage, who accidentally breaks the desk. Later, Foggy breaks it down. Time to wear a mask, crime fighter? Other options. Pay Cockroach a hundred grand large, out of court, or go in front of a jury where Luke is an ex-con who assaulted a man. Time goes on and Foggy has a cash chance, a personal appearance, and it's legit. Elsewhere, Tilda is brought to see Mother Mariah's family-first clinic, flanked by black female heroes, all helping this foundation for women, all to credit Mama Mabel, the madam. Won't Tilda become the medical director furnished by Mariah's plastics money? Later, assistant Alex name-checks Tembi Wallace, interviewing Mariah, and Mom reiterates that she wants her daughter to be in on the ground floor. That's right about when Nandy and Bailey roll on up, asking about, well, they show her a picture, and it's not completely clear of who. Later, we're told Mark Higgins is missing. Cut to shock of shocks, Randland, where Misty's got a new robot arm, in a healthy reuse of Rand Enterprises sets. The arm needs to be synced. Too bad they don't have Fitzsimmons around, but that's another show. She goes to see Luke at Pops. She credits Danny and Colleen for hooking her up. You know, the Danny and Colleen who don't appear in this episode. Luke reminds everyone that the shop needs to close fairly soon, and they recap Bushmaster's impact on the season. We're also reminded the cockroach is out of jail because of Scarf's taint. Luke calls around for legit work. Nike needs something cleaner, and the Jets just can't get a powered guy. And a guy wants to do a documentary series where Luke Cage fights a honey badger and a shark. Time for Luke to make some Beyonce appearance money. They go see a guy who does stocks in a super cool office. What's he called? Piranha. They're shown to his office, which is reverentially decorated as a Luke Cage Hall of Fame. Luke thinks it's creepy. However, Piranha is proud to have his office in Harlem. So why is he called Piranha? Wall Street is full of great whites, so sometimes it's better to stay small and hungry. As for the business at hand, personal appearance, shaking hands, all for 50, er, 150 grand. And all of Luke's problems are behind them, though he's given something to wear. No, it's not spandex. It's the original Luke Cage hoodie, bullet holes included. GD cosplay. 
Luke and Foggy go to the party where Ghostface Killa is laying down some sweet rhymes. Side note, if you didn't hear Ghostface Killa on NPR in 2013, it was great. Anyway, Luke is quickly reduced to a sideshow, posting for selfies and taking a bottle over the head. Later, Piranha is talking up the ladies who don't talk English back and taking them upstairs. Luke, mind the stairs and make sure no one interrupts them, okay? He stands there, takes some selfies, but notices a mysterious man. Elsewhere, Shades is talking to his crew about Bushmaster and his crew. Comanche tries to offer an opinion, but Shades isn't listening. The crew is dismissed when Mariah arrives. She's told about his concerns for her security as well as his legacy. He wants to own Harlem's Paradise outright, but she says no. Shades is going to walk and keep an eye on Piranha. Remember when Mariah was asked about Mark Higgins being missing? She asked Shades about it, and he's got no idea either. For once, they didn't do it. Later, Shades finds Comanche and notes that Ray Ray is missing too. Time for Che to find Ray. Shades is off to Piranha's party, while Che gets a text from Mama to see Mama tonight. Hint, it's actually written hour. Back at Cockroach's castle, a.k.a. Drea's apartment, Misty arrives. Cockroach makes fun of Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, and women's rights all in one fell swoop. At the police precinct, Misty is going over evidence of Cockroach's arrest, and she flashes back to Scarf's arrest. She hasn't found the gun, but Scarf is going to have a look solo. He finds the gun and off Cockroach goes. Flashback over, Rittenauer and Misty talk about the planted, not planted gun. He highlights that they need to live with what's happened. He leaves and she takes a call. Later we find out that someone has called her about Drea, who has accidentally fallen into Cockroach's fist again. Not a joke, but a sneering version of the truth, sarcastically presented by Misty. So why won't Drea talk? She thinks the NYPD can't do a thing. At the precinct, Misty is looking for a file and finds it in Nandy's desk, along with a bottle of Jameson. Flashback to Scarf pouring him and her a wee nip. She's concerned about Haverland stealing from little old ladies. His suggestion, steal some evidence and plant it on him. It ain't a setup if he's already guilty, right? Just joking though, partner. Misty goes into the evidence locker and takes some bullets from Hammer Tech. Mariah breaks into Drea's apartment, planting the Judas bullet, or about to, when she flashes back to a broken-hearted Scarf, guilty for being a bad cop. Flashback over, Misty decides not to plant the bullet, but sees blood and a headless man. We check in with Mariah, who's told by Tilda that the latter is out unless she learns more about Mark Higgins, the Atreus deal, insider trading, canoodling with Stephanie, and more. Mariah rationalizes the evolution of the family from ghetto philanthropy to legit philanthropy. Tilda leaves inconclusively, but later that night, it's the official ribbon cutting for the Shirley Chisholm complex. Together, Harlem rises and Tilda's there. Come on in, Harlem, except there are heads on pikes inside the building. Elsewhere, Comanche conclusively gets into Rittenauer's car. He's got nothing, but why don't you question Ray Ray? Rittenauer's never heard of Ray Ray. Back at Piranha's party, Shades is there and denies working with Bushmaster. But Piranha wants to shoot the bulletproof man, and almost does, before he gets the gun taken out of his hand. Jamaican goons pull him into a car and take him away. Luke saves him, but you want to hire this hero? The price just doubled to end the episode. So Pete, before we dive into villains here, I got to ask you a question here. I got to ask you, 
you a guy who's got some more some more street cred. Uh, what's up with uh, what, what's up with this digital underground reference? Oh, digital underground, Matt. One of my absolute favorites. A lot of people forget that uh, Tupac actually got his start with Digital Underground. But uh, yeah, reference made between Humpty Hump and Shock G. Uh, they're actually the same person, Matt. Uh, the only difference is that Shock G, the rapper, would throw on a plastic nose when he took on the persona of uh, Humpty Hump. Well, for that, Pete, I am definitely wiser. Uh, you heard in the recap there how I was a little familiar with uh, Ghostface Killer based on his time on uh, on Fresh Air. That's right, no joke. He was interviewed on Fresh Air, I believe, for the whole hour. Fascinating, fascinating interview there. And uh, he, I think we're, we're wiser for all of this. We are truly living in the future when in 2018, 90s and early 2000 rappers are part of the cultural zeitgeist in the middle-aged men get to talk about them on their podcast. Pete, now we're going to talk some bad... Mm. Shut your mouth. We're just talking about bad guys. Petey, let's start with Cockroach, who I dare say ends the episode worse for wear than he does in the beginning. But uh, good riddance to bad rubbish. Listen, anybody who's going to sue Luke Cage should rightly be decapitated. Uh, the wow. scene in the beginning, I, I, kind of a big episode for, for Cockroach. Suing Luke there thinks that the uh, meeting in the... Uh, the office is uh, in a courtroom. I love that Foggy has to walk him back there talking how, you know, uh, Luke Cage went, went into Nat Geo mode. Okay. Uh, the, the flashback with Scarf, obviously, when Misty and Scarf responded to one of what is presumed to have been many domestic uh, abuse calls made. And uh, he gets all fresh with misty um and then getting his comeuppance here so uh not r.i.p cockroach pete uh i'm a little embarrassed to admit i did not know the name of the cockroach actor until looking it up just now and uh pete actor dorian missick does a great what? job you'll, you'll never guess who he's married to what that's right that's crazy all the all those great cockroach uh, misty night scenes are played for extra effect because they are in real life a married couple since uh, 2012. My mind is officially blown. Well, that bit of trivia aside, I mean, he does a great job playing the role of cockroach. I just I love. Let me put it this way, Pete. Sometimes it can be difficult for a good actor to act poorly. And what mm -hmm. we get out of Cockroach at the top of this episode, not out of the actor, but what we get out of Cockroach is bad acting. Because Cockroach is all like, oh, I'm so hurt, except I'm not hurt, you know. And so, so kudos to Dorian Missick. Um, I don't know, great, really great presence on screen, even though it's obviously a negative greatness. You know, here he, he the, the character, you know, beating his girlfriend, beating the kid. Uh, yeah. 
you know, opportunistically trying to get a hundred grand out of uh, out of the situation by way of suing Luke Cage. So, R.I.P. Cockroach. So it seems. No R.I.P. Cockroach, Matt. Don't rest in peace. How about Donovan? Uh, obviously, a means to an end here suing uh, Luke Cage. But again, this this guy just shows up. Uh, lawyer to the dirt balls that he is. You know, Pete, I'm going to say, especially when it comes to the world of legal stuff, you know, don't hate the play. I hate the game. He's just there. He's representing his client. I mean, yes, he comes off as the slick attorney, the, the, the unlikable attorney. Yes, there's perhaps some shades of uh, Johnny Cochran. Not that I'm saying Johnny Cochran was unlikable, but I think there's some of that in, in you know, just the fast talking, uh, uh, you know, kind of slick lawyer there. Um, I have a little, I have a little sympathy for him. He's, he's a lawyer doing his job and he's apparently quite good at it. I see a lot of, uh, Jackie Charles of Seinfeld, which was a parody obviously of, of Johnny Cochran in, uh, Donovan Esquire. I mean, he does his job on screen, uh, as a character, and he fulfills a need here. And, and really, these are cockroaches scenes, and he just helps to push them forward. Well, next, we have to talk about Mariah, who she has this big speech toward, you know, I mean, not towards the end of the episode, three quarters of the way through, uh, really trying to hammer home to Tilda that you can, I, there's this great metaphor of, you know, you get your hands dirty planting the seeds, but now I'm going to step away. I'm going to clean my hands, be with me to help with the harvest. You really, really get the sense hammered home in this episode. And it's been a sense it's been around all season that she's trying to leave the old life behind. She really, really is trying to make a positive change in Harlem. There's just one problem, Pete, or should I say three problems and they're on <laughs> sticks? Um, well, long term does not pay off. Short term. I was shocked. It actually does. Tilda shows up for the family first clinic opening. Um, so her, her message about doing these terrible things and the, the businesses in which their family's wealth was uh, rooted. Okay. Necessary ills dice and, that other thing, Matt, that I can't say on an explicit, a non-explicit iTunes podcast. From meager beginnings, almost made it out. At least the family almost made it out of that world of crime. All you know, set for that big uh, family first. Uh, you know, uh, groundbreaking there. I did wonder why they were doing it at nighttime. Like just photo <laughs> optics, wouldn't it be better to, you know to do it during the day but you know <laughs> pete maybe the discussion went down like this uh guys normally this would be during the day yeah but nobody wants to really go full-on tvma what with dismembered heads on sticks so if we do it at night hide some of the blood in the shadows you know i don't know but them's the breaks i suppose let's talk shades matt uh love that we have a situation in this episode where he and luke can meet up with one another in a non-adversarial situation actually kind of help one another out 
I think we, the audience, have a lot of sympathy for Shades from these two seasons. I certainly don't want to suggest, you know, we have sympathy because he's number two and there's a lady who's number one. Like, that's that's not my concern for Shades. But I think that we like the character. I mean, Pete, maybe it's maybe it's the Sons of Anarchy connection. Maybe it's the connection to the episode of Alcatraz that he was in. Um, maybe it's just Theo Rossi's magnetism. Um, Pete, he wears Shades at night. He must be cool. Uh, but I feel like if there is some sort of path out for him, you know, the expectation being the, 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 you know, there's going to have to be a story pound of flesh paid, whether it's, you know, whoever it is who's killed off by the end or written out, you know, we've already had a couple of characters written out thus far. Um, maybe there's a path out for shades where everything ends up. Okay. He's trying to move in and, and get his piece of, uh, Harlem's paradise, He's blocked by Mariah. There's all this drama with the Jamaicans. And yeah, though he's with Mariah, he's not really with Mariah. He can't do his own thing. So he's he's kind of a country unto his own right now, even at the end of the episode with uh, Piranha and Luke there's a bond over race between the two of them, even though there's an adversarial nature and shades as a Hispanic man, uh, you know, he runs off. He, he doesn't even have a connection there. So yeah, there is that little bit of sympathy. I think we feel for him and, and that's a fully fleshed out three dimensional character. So again, cheers to Chio Hadari Coker for creating these really deep characters. Well, you mentioned sympathy. I think somebody who's who's not on the list but worth uh, adding as an audible. We have through flashbacks the return of Detective Scarf here, and you know Frank Whaley so charismatic in the role, and we know he's a bad cop, but the way he's presented here in, in these flashbacks, he's a good mentor, certainly to Misty. I mean, there's also the off-screen but clearly implied planting of evidence uh, on Cockroach. So I'm not I'm not trying to excuse that, but um you know you also see him kind of broken down at the uh, at the police precinct having having really paid a price for his sins uh but a bad guy nonetheless well again that karma you know that he leaves cockroach and misty in one room he plants the evidence that he suggests in the precinct in another flashback that they go and they do this aha just just kidding just kidding Okay. I mean, for me, the best thing about the guy is he's a Mets fan and, uh, you know, he's, he's a lousy person. (laughs) Well, I think trying to make his way out of the lousiness is Comanche who he's another character where I really, really like him. And I'm going to be bummed if the big shootout resolving the season, if he gets gunned down, I'm going to be sad. If he somehow gets shot at, it's one of these things of what? No bullets hit me okay, out the back I go, I will be happy. I root for him and I don't know why, but he certainly is walking on the razor's edge as he, uh, as he continues to rat to Detective, uh, pardon me, to Captain Rittenauer. Dude just wants to know where Ray Ray is. Pete, isn't that life, you know, where is Ray Ray? You get the response, who is Ray Ray? And that's when you all of a sudden realize there's something going on, Pete, that's bigger than, than Che, bigger than the cap. It got Ray Ray and it's I, yeah, I think there was a, a, a 
considered viral campaign for Luke Cage season two that, you know, remember back before uh, Jessica Jones season one, we're walking up to New York Comic Con. There were all these spray painted stencils on the street. Uh, You know, I know your secrets, Uh, all all these different sayings from season one that uh, that uh, the, the man that Kilgrave had said, I think that they considered, you know, writing who is Ray Ray? Where is Ray Ray? Why is Ray Ray uh, all over the streets in New York and maybe wisely reconsidered? You know, I think one of the storytelling devices that has been lost uh, by the switch to so much streaming and so much, you know, whether it's original streaming or whether it's kind of on demand or whether it's, you know, the, the second life something has on streaming is that between the season little nugget that used to get, you know, lost missing pieces. And there was the Battlestar Galactica thing that was, you know, these, just these little two minute episodes. I mean, my goodness, we had it two winters ago with agents of shield, uh, slingshot. How about, after this season, before the next season of Luke Cage or Defenders or whatever, let's get let's get a nice half hour Luke Cage colon the Ray Ray Chronicles. I want to call it Ray Ray Day. There you go. Pete, somebody who I think does not act in a way who, you, you know, who, who's necessarily breaking the law. Uh, somebody who is a fine, upstanding citizen, but somebody who by our view from the couch might be the most villainous person in the episode is Raymond Jones, AKA Piranha. He's somebody who seems to be, I don't know. There seems to be Pete. I can't put it into words. What is Piranha doing? That is so foul to us. Uh, Making money is not foul. Once he finally steps over the line in this episode and calls Luke the word that he does uh, and and owns up to uh, asking Luke to sell out the idea that they're going to shoot at him in a crowded party because, hey, I paid you for this appearance fee and you want to make that money because you're in a pinch and you need to do uh, the cockroach. That's when he finally steps over the line earlier than that. Okay. He's got this wall of uh, some of it fraudulent uh, memorabilia uh, about Luke Cage. You know, he's got the wrong colored uh, uh, jumpsuit that uh, somebody sold him. Uh, that's not from Seagate. He's got the door from the uh, Crispus Attis. Uh, you know, debacle in season one. Uh, dude's just trying to make money and has made a lot of it. He's coming from the street, though. And what do the Jamaicans want with him? We'll have to ponder in the big picture segment. Well, just as a closing thought there for Piranha, I think you hit you, you hit the nail on the head there. It's not just the, the turn of Piranha is not just that he's kind of asking Luke Cage to perform. It's the added layer of you know kind of paying a black man to kind of play play this role on stage and then the fact that piranha himself a man of color and there's kind of no sensitivity to that and and it really boils down to hey i'm paying you do this thing and just a ton of kind of really really negative uh overtones there 
But Pete, I guess fair is fair. Piranha doesn't kill anybody. The Jamaicans do shoot at some people and attempt to steal Piranha. Uh, also, I, I think we can infer that they may have chopped off some heads and stuck them at the, uh, at the Family First uh, clinic. In an effective episode where Bushmaster does not appear, his presence still looms large in uh, these several unnamed Jamaicans, the, the mystery man who's given Luke menacing eyes throughout the party, uh, the other guys who just uh, crop up toward the very end of the episode and then attempt to steal Piranha. Well, Pete, from the unnamed to the named, we want to just take a moment to thank uh, our pal John Stewart. No, not the Daily Show guy, but close <laughs> enough, uh, who uh, who made us aware of a little technical issue that was going on uh, with the latest episode of the Cloak and Dagger podcast. It's I won't get into the boring nitty gritty of the technical stuff here, but it's it's a weirdo thing that sometimes happens and. Um, Luckily, he caught it. Normally, I normally I catched out the gate. I didn't. He did. So we just wanted to say thank you to John. It takes a village to run 14 podcast feeds, and uh, nobody does it alone, not just the two of us. Uh, we're so thankful every time somebody reaches out, if there's a technical glitch or anything else like that. And then there's the financial end of this. Everybody through Patreon helping us with bandwidth with all the other costs that are incurred through doing this enterprise, Matt, that's a approaching five years now uh, come this fall officially. So everybody who heads to patreon.com uh, will have their choice of all sorts of levels they can contribute at, and everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. So thank you again. big picture where we break down theories about the road ahead where we starting pete let's start with an episode in which we get foggy right at the start representing chow and benowitz i think yes quick reminder to everybody that at the end of jessica jones season two hogarth leaves uh hogarth chow and benowitz she starts her own uh legal operation hogarth and associates no evidence from that episode from that season that the these somewhat lower on the totem pole foggy nelson made the jump as well so i think lacking any evidence we will just assume uh thus far that he is still with chow and benowitz well, we've got Foggy. We've got Danny Rand off screen. What with the delivery in episode five of what I'm calling the Rand hand. Uh, all, all our defenders r ready to jump in any moment, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, no Danny, no Colleen scene on screen, which I think, I, I don't know. I'm 99% sure that it's already out there in the news and certainly people who are watching ahead of us would know this for sure. But um, I'm 99% sure that Danny Rand shows up in this season. So if it's like a cost thing where they're going to save the future Danny episode or Danny and Colin, you know, whatever it is. All right. I can get that because you're probably talking. Are you referring to, uh, tweets made by the Iron Fist account that, uh, perhaps might spoil such things. Yeah. Which is a little, I don't know. Again, this is kind of like, th this is the modern world of, of, um, 
press and hype and whatnot that you need to do where you put this stuff out there early um but anyhow it, it, to me knowing that danny rand is going to show up in the flesh it was a little weird to not have him show up here particularly on the heels of colleen physically being in the last episode but whatever this is this is truly a uh you know this is a, a a pile of riches here and we're lucky to have all these characters you know cross pollinating and whatnot real talk is it uh fair in 2018 to have things spoiled from later points in a season seven days after 13 episodes are available um I think it depends what the source is. I think if you're having a discussion at ye oldie water cooler, um, it's I, I'd say you probably have two weeks, maybe three weeks to be like, hey, are you caught up on Luke Cage? Flip side is I know on Twitter there have been tweets sent our way that's like, oh, man, I can't believe in episode 213, Luke Cage. And I'm like, oh, not going to look at that, not going to look at that. <laughs> I think that's also fair, too, because people are looking to have the discussion with us. You know, they don't need to they don't need to coincide with my personal spoiler views and whatnot. So it, it is that sticky territory. And also why I think eventually Netflix is going to move at least partially to a once a week model for premiere stuff. Perish the thought, Matt, let's talk about the connection between the missing people in these episodes, in this episode, whose heads eventually wind up on spikes inside the family first clinic. I really like how they soft pedal all of this. You know, this kind of notion of, wait, where's Ray Ray? Ray Ray's not here. Are we called in sick? Who's Ray Ray indeed? I I know what he is not. He's no longer in the land of the living now. Um, But same thing with with, uh, Mr. Mark there from uh, from the plastics company. Um, Mark Higgins? Mark Higgins, yeah. I, I mean, same thing where it's like, Oh man, I bet Mariah did it. Mariah doesn't know who did. It. Oh man, I bet Shades did it. Shades is, you know, Shades making clear to the audience. For once, we did not do it. You're like, okay, <laughs> that's weird. And I mean, the, the show does a great job of building up this resume where, when it's finally revealed, particularly where that scene is in relation to the Jamaican attack uh, on uh, on Piranha, you kind of go. Oh, it's the Jamaicans, right? Um, and you have all that information when you need it, but they don't tip their hand particularly early on it. What's with these Jamaicans dealing in severed heads? We had Nigel. We've had these three gentlemen now, uh, in, including a plastics billionaire. Um, what's up with this? You know what? They don't fool around. That's my takeaway from it. They're they're there to claim bushmaster's birthright they're there to really make things uncomfortable and the more mariah is pushing out into the public eye truly genuinely and the more she's exiting the the you know the the world of crime well that makes her vulnerable so they're going to put crime in her backyard even if she's trying to move herself out of that word on the street where we hear from you or at least pete hopefully we hear from the listeners yeah the whole thing about feedback is that in the best case it would be instructive like if this podcast is garbage that you would make some kind of suggestion to us in how to ungarbage it uh rather 
rather than just to hate. So, uh, yeah, talk about the digital vandal who went on our iTunes feeds and left a spate of uh, review lists, one star ratings. So to that coward, I say, why you hating? Uh why not do the words and such? Uh, particularly, Matt, our Marvel movie podcast by Fantastic Geek that contains our most listened to podcast of recent memory, Avengers Infinity War. Somebody went on and has now knocked our rating all the way to a 3.5 out of the 10 reviews that are there, uh, many of which are five-star reviews. So I'm going to enlist that fantastic geek army that we have out there. Get on uh, either the Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek, the Cloak and Dagger podcast by Fantastic Geek, any of the 14 podcasts by Fantastic Geek, and uh, throw us a bone here to help even out these uh, rather salty one-star reviews that somebody left. Uh, not even reviews ratings well said there pete and i think a good reminder you know it's like that marvel movie podcast it's it's got its own dedicated feed but it's got all the you know it's got all the different movies that we've reviewed for the pop culture podcast or in connection with agents of shield or things like that so it's kind of like the little the little engine that could in many ways and uh you know I don't know why somebody would go out and do this. I don't know, but we would certainly appreciate your, your honest, either starred uh, rating or your written review or, or both uh, certainly appreciated uh, helping out your, your podcast pals here to have six, five star reviews, one four star review, and then three, one star reviews just doesn't seem to add up. Well, Pete, after somebody, has done Fantastic Geek a solid. How can they be in touch with you to say, hey, Fantastic Geek, I got you? You can contact me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,029 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast any way you like. Leave a comment at fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. Believe Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word. Uh, that was the way that John Stewart reached out to us to let us know some of the techity tech uh, and his inability on his device to grab the podcast able to flip that over to Matt. Matt was able to resolve the problem. And now John Stewart has his podcast and he went on Patreon. What? So thankful. So appreciative. Uh, so yeah, Facebook, just another way to go. Indeed, Pete. And I uh, very much appreciate that, uh, that feedback there from John with that. We will be returning to the world of Luke Cage, uh, just a couple days on Tuesday, uh, and if you're getting us on the Luke Cage podcast, you're getting that, of course. If you're listening to us on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, uh, you either have or will get some Star Trek Discovery discussion, depending on when you listen to this, when we record it, when we drop it. It's all the magic behind the scenes. Magic to make the sanest man go mad or whatever. But I digress, <laughs> Pete. Uh, when you've given me Ant-Man, Matt. Uh, you know what? We have Ant-Man coming up this next weekend as well. Going to see that on Thursday. So exciting times across the board particularly on the pop culture podcast feed 
hey, if nothing else, Pete, when we put Ant-Man on the Marvel Movie Podcast, that could be an opportunity for people to rate it there. It's all just a big pile of goodness, Pete. With that, I will say adios to Cockroach, adios to Mark Higgins, adios to Ray Ray, and adios to all the listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. You want to hire this hero? The price just doubled.